Are you currently out thinking, out marketing, out selling and out strategizing those you compete with? It's no secret that when you can maximize your efforts in these areas, success is sure to follow. Let's have ourselves a pocket sized pep talk because we've got one of the top executive coaches in here today. And I'm willing to bet you're about to get some of the greatest business and marketing tips you ever received. Buckle up. A pocket sized pep talk podcast that can help energize your business and your life with a quick, inspiring message. Now, here's your host, Rob Jollis. I don't use this word lightly when I tell you that today's guest, Jay Abram, is a business and marketing legend, working with people like Tony Robbins, Damon John, Stephen Covey, Brian Tracy, and a who's who in business that totals more than 10,000 clients. Hang on, I'm almost done fawning. Jay has been featured in USA Today, the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, Washington Post, San Francisco Chronicle. I'm cutting some of these magazines out, folks. Entrepreneur Magazine, Huffington Post, Success Magazine, Inc., and many more. I am grateful you're still investing your time to bring value to shows like mine and entrepreneurs as well. And really glad to have you with us. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I get introduced on right before I get on stage and people go through my intro, I sort of sit there and go, "Yeah, that is me, isn't it?" <laughs> yeah, you go. It it depends on the on the uh, on the trajectory and the history of your life. But when you when you chronicle in that kind of a compressed manner, Rob, the you know all the events that have occurred in a lifetime, and it goes so fast, you go, "Wow." Yeah, that's interesting. And it doesn't seem real because, uh, you know, a lot of these come and then you go on to something else and it just becomes hazy, phasey. But yeah, I've done a lot of things in my career. Yeah, well, you sure have. Uh, I, uh, you know, I wanted to start with you is this because there's always a dance between sales and marketing. I was a former Xerox rep. It was sort of like sales and service. We needed to work together, but we didn't really work together. As a matter of fact, we kind of eyeballed each other like what well, what are you looking at but yeah. you i believe you talk about both tell me in your view kind of how you see sales and marketing weaving together as they should yeah well i think that marketing if in its purest sense rob should be the driver and the lever that really does a couple of things finds predisposes uh 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 even uh generates and and readies the 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 best qualified and the best desirable prospect for the salesperson to harvest and right. i think it's it it it's supporting each other if the salesperson has to do all the work it's very hard if the marketing does its job it doesn't mean it's a shoe and it's not shooting fish in the barrel but there's a lot of a difference. Like we'll do advertising for my various services. And if somebody knows of me and they've seen or heard of me in a positive light, my salesperson has a much quicker, easier, higher incidence of closing. He has a much more positive interaction with the person. Whereas if they don't know anything about me and the proposition sounds <clears throat> audacious, they come in like that. So I think marketing is the it is the lever that sets up the prospect for the salesperson to harvest right yeah 
Well said. You know, when I get pushed into a corner, I, I sometimes say, I, I hope you don't mind because this is a real crude version. But I, sometimes I just look at the client and I go, you know, marketing is what gets somebody to get to this table. And sales is what happens once we pull out the chair. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, but they have to work in tandem. And, uh, you know, for me, at least when I'm working with sales training, with sales training company, I'm always encouraging them, bring the marketing folks in here, let them spend some time looking at the way. And they don't always know. They don't understand the issues that happen once, you know, the rubber meets the road and the salesperson has to interact. And I think that a lot of, a lot of marketing people, frankly, Rob, they operate in a, in a, a theoretical you know, sort of a, an elevated stature where they don't have any context, any empathic understanding of what it's like to be responsible for really closing the, you know, the generation of the revenue that drives the whole business. Yeah. And frequently they're the ones creating those marketing materials, those training materials. And it, just from my perspective, it's a frequently showing some beautiful solution that very few people are identifying with where the sales force is trying to back that customer up and look at the problem they're trying to solve. Absolutely agree. No, I think you're absolutely on point. I think that I've always felt, frankly, that, that the world doesn't value the sales at the level they should. I mean, salespeople get paid well, but uh, you know, it's, it's funny, even, and you sell uh, sales training, and sales, I've always, I've helped many of the top sales trainers over my career, long, long, long career. And I always felt that they, their, the value of their knowledge wasn't, uh, it wasn't revered. Very rare that a salesperson, uh, a sales trainer can charge what the value of that training is really worth. And I find it really interesting that oftentimes management won't even pay a lot for it or anything. And, and the Otis falls on the salesman or woman himself. I've always thought there was an inequity there that made no sense. Right. No, I, you know, I've been pushed back a few times. And when I've been in ornery moods, I've even said, I'll tell you what, I'll just take a piece of the percentage of increase that yeah. we produce. So I'll just bet on me here. If we don't increase anything, we don't have to pay me. And you know what? Nobody's ever taken me up on that deal. Yeah, well, well, our model uh, is we get a fee against profit sharing because I don't even want to pay be paid for advice anymore. It's <clears throat> it's it's either they either paying too much or too little. If the advice works and they work it, it's going to be far more valuable than I could ever charge. If it doesn't work, then it's worthless. So either way, it's a waste. It's either you're charging too little or too much. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, how about let's just stay in sales for a second longer. Give me, in your opinion, what you think. If you, if you, we've got a bunch of salespeople listening right now, right. so let's just condense it. Give me one or two. If you just had, if you could just pull them aside and say, "Look, just two things. Two things I want you to do differently when you pick up the phone or when you walk in that door. What would they be?" Well, I mean, because my work. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to answer you, but I'm going to give a context and a little bit of a, a basis. So my work integrates lots of things, not just marketing, sales, business right. model, strategy, et cetera. You know, I'm a very big believer. I was trained in, in variability. You do something, say something, express something one way, it produces X. You do it another, it produces 
2x, you do another, it produces 3x, you do another, it produces one half x. And I don't think most people selling and the management that teaches them really do enough experimenting in testing variability. We one time, as an example, I had a large client that was a very big furniture chain, and we tested 33 different ways of greeting people at the front door and found one that tripled conversion, tripled. Wow. I have tested different ways of starting, uh, whether it's an ad, a sales approach, is, you know, a phone call. The first, you know, the, the, there's, there's a lot of research, Rob. The headline is sometimes as much as 80% of the effect of what you do. And a headline has many different denominators. It, in an ad, it's certainly the, the cluster, the big cluster of words at the top. But it can also be the first paragraph that is uttered when somebody calls you, you visit at the front door. I mean, and I've seen the variability. It's tremendous. If you, if you again, I'm, I'm not trying to, to counterman the sales managers, but if you base your initial commentary on a value-based benefit advantage proposition that you're going to be able to either solve or, or at least show how to achieve that, it normally, not always, will outperform some silly, vacuous thing. But there's all kinds of elements in the, it, I mean, direct response marketing and selling is really the same thing, except for one is, is dealing one-on-one -on -one and the other is one-to-many. So right. if you try to run an ad, if you think about it, an ad, uh, you know, whether it's video, audio, uh, written, you know, email, it's being received one person at a time, by one person at a time, even if you're going to reach a million people with it. So it's really the same thing. It's just salesmanship multiplied. But, you know, I've seen that the positioning, the first thing is, is very critical, how you, how you carry forward that. Uh, then how you establish or prove your proposition, how you credentialize it, uh, how you uh, show people not just the linear product service, but you take them into the future, a form of future pacing to show them what life or business or health or whatever is going to be like when they have your product or service deployed in their life and, and, and what's happening. And then you denominate it as many ways as you can. I've seen risk reversal, different ways of making it easier to say yes than no. Uh, I mean, each of these have on their own multiplying effects. I've seen uh, bonus incentive, whether it is related or totally unrelated, um, increase 40, 50%. All of those things can be tested. And I don't think most people selling test anything. Yeah. You know, I, I came from um, my background, just so you know, from a sales perspective was right out of the University of Maryland into New York life, sold life, health and disability uh, and really got it, it, it was kind of a Glen Gary, Glenn Ross kind of effect. But, yeah, but boy, did I learn. Yeah. Boy, did I learn how to sell. Yeah. Uh, then I, you know, I moved to Xerox, where which is all process oriented. And I'm talking about the 80s now when Xerox was really known for their yeah, sales training sales training you they had a division that sold it yeah i was actually at that i was in leesburg where we had the two when it was 2400 square uh, acre um place we slept 1100 people in that facility wow. but very process oriented lots of repeatable predictable processes and that's what's always been 
fascinating to me about marketing gurus, because in sales, we really can take a process and say, okay, I'm going to work with this software company today. I'm going to go work with Bank of America tomorrow, and I'm going to go work with a laboratory the day after that. And although we have to adjust, trust is trust. Urgency is urgency. We can use a lot of what we do. Marketing, not so. Or is it? You have to shape the shot there, a little there, bit. There are a lot. I mean, you, you know, you have to conform them to the media and the market, but there's a lot of very process-oriented, systematic things you can do. It's, you know, formulaic is a little less adaptable to marketing because you've got to give your product or service, uh, you know, personality, dimension. You have to almost uh, animate it so that it comes alive in the eyes and the mind of the target audience and it's differentiated. But there are a lot of them. But a lot of marketing people think that creativity is marketing. Creativity can be a an, an enhancer to marketing, but marketing really is figuring out how are you going to convey to your first, how are you going to find the most desirable target audience? How are you going to cost effectively reach them? How are you going to communicate to them the biggest, uh, either single or on a on a on a, a descending order hierarchy of of attributes, benefits, advantages that that product or service can provide them? How are you going to prove to them your, your claim? How are you going to incentivize them to want to know more and do it in a timely way and a prioritized way? And how are you gonna then be able to have your salespeople congruently fulfill on what you set them up to expect? You know, I got started selling. So I have, I mean, the good news is if you've sold on the you know, front lines of capitalism, you yeah. have more empathic understanding of that integration. Whereas if you just got hired out of, out of and not knocking university, but with a marketing degree and you get thrown in the marketing department and they never send you out on the streets or sitting on the phone or calling on distributors or you know, or being in the grungy, you know, or, or, you know, are standing watching people, you know, buy things in a, in a, in a retail store or any of those things, you have no context of what reality is. Now you're right. You know, there are some, uh, certainly true for sales is business school. There, there really isn't a selling major that you can find university of Houston, a couple of the schools, um, are, are starting LSU. A few of the schools are out there doing it, but, um, that's particularly great. in sales you've got um to me uh, you got to learn how to take to take a hit you got to have you know uh, you have to learn how to take a punch i don't yeah. i don't know i've been asked that question a lot what are we looking for in sales and, and to me it's like i can teach somebody features and benefits i prefer not to but they're gonna have to learn them i want to teach them how to problem solve how to communicate how to ask questions and listen but i'm looking to see if they can take a punch yeah i mean resiliency tenacity and passion, purpose, uh, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and I mean, people don't understand that, that rejection is, it's, it's, I mean, that would be like, that's a job description, unless, unless you're selling cancer cures, you know, to people with four stage, four, stage four cancer, selling is overcoming apprehension, rejection, uh, you know, uh, uh, uncertainty, uh, you know, uh, I mean, if you don't understand 
the dynamics that you have to embrace and you don't and you don't take it personally i mean if if you get defeated when somebody says no or you get you know i never i always remember the hilarious quote if you have 99 ways to say no and i have 100 ways to get you to say yes if we stay in dialogue all, long enough i'll win <laughs> I've never heard that quote, and I've heard most of them. You have to be able to take a loss. You have to be able to, to handle that. And that's a tough to everybody who's looking to hire salespeople is always looking for the latest, greatest approach to figuring out whether they've got the right person. I don't really care if you've ever sold a product in my industry. I'm looking for an athlete, and I'm looking for somebody who can take a punch. That's yeah, I think me. That's really good. I like that. Uh, you know, I uh, was friendly for many years and probably still am, but I don't talk to him to the famed quarterback, Fran Tarkenton. Oh, I, one of the first books I ever read, Better Scramble Than Lose. Yeah, He's I know. Fran. Guy, a great guy and uh, and good, good entrepreneur. But and he started selling out selling uh, and they do that in the in the in the season uh, between the footballs only made about 50 grand when he was a year wow. he was doing it and he was in three super bowls and they lost all three it's just a part it's a part of the process and and uh but i mean there are ways to mitigate you know i mean i always say you want to make you want absolute advantage in anything you do and that gives you that gives you the edge but it's not certainty right advantage is not absolute you know absolute certainty you're going to win but it gives you a weighted advantage and if you can have advantage then you start off with a better place but i think that selling and marketing marketing is very critical to support selling if a salesman or woman doesn't have great marketing the you it you're you've burdened them with so much more uh effort and uh and and slipping of lost torque than they than is deserve it. I mean, Mark, if you're gonna if you're a company owner and you're gonna spend money on marketing, understand what its role is. Don't penalize the salespeople because you don't really understand marketing's role because you put a lot of onus on them. And if their job is they're the last mile. Right. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. I, again, everyone sort of loves, well, you're in sales and marketing. You can handle uh, the apples and oranges. Uh, it's two different skill sets. And so I appreciate you saying that. All right. I only have so much time with you. So I want to I want to swing into two more questions and I'll let you go. Yeah, um, but one of them, but, but I'm going to do a 180. I'm going to turn. I'm going to talk to you as a speaker now, as a presenter. Right. And uh, because uh, you've had a lot of time with that mic around your neck, too. So. When you're, when you're maybe a tip or two that you could offer this audience when you're up there and you're, you step on that stage and your name is called, you know what you're going to talk about, but you're walking into the unknown. Just thought a little part of a piece of your thought process as you're walking up there. Yeah. I have never, ever been intimidated to speak to a group. And I, I have, I mean, I don't do a lot now, but I've spoken to, you know, 10,000 people before, and, and we've charged an enormous amount of money to speak to groups. I always felt like my job, it wasn't about me. It wasn't about me, how I looked. I mean, you know, and, 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 and I didn't even worry about how magnificent my message was. I worried more about my purpose in, on being on that stage. I always saw my purpose 
to transfer understanding with each individual in the room. And I realize that no two people in a room are the same. Their, their hopes, their dreams are not the same. Their experiences are not the same. And thus, their definition of certain words aren't the same. So I went out of my way to make sure I tried to help everybody understand exactly what I was saying. I never looked at a group as a group. I always wanted everyone to feel like I was talking just to them uh, with total truth. And this is not bullshit. I've never been anything but authentic in what I do. I've known and I've trained and I've advised lots of speakers and very truthfully, they almost have content contemptuous disdain for their audience. It's all facade. It's they don't really appreciate. They might have started that way, but they go beyond that. Now there's some wonderful people. Tony Robbins really is connected to his audience. He's very deeply involved. He's a great listener. He's very interactive. When I speak, what I try to do the most now is not do, uh, do canned stuff. I try to say, okay, get me a chair. Get me questions, problems, challenges untapped opportunities and let me go deep with people and let me as i'm explaining it then do little out of body uh, uh distillations where i explain what's driving that the process the principle the law the the methodology excuse me but i always had i i always it was never my primary driver in other words if i never go on a stage again it's not going to change my life i've been privileged and i've done it uh, 80 times around the world. So I've had a great, great uh, professional life and I'm grateful. But I always went on stage, not caring about me at all, but caring about them. And my and I would think, okay, these are, and I'd look at somebody at different stages of their life or their career uh, or or anything. And I'd think, okay, I'm going to deal with them as if they're innocent, young children, formulative, open-minded, receptive, and I'm going to treat them with a total respect, no matter who's in the audience. And I'm going to do everything in my power to, to take what's here, torque convert it, get it out of here, and deeply entrench it. I, I never was as interested in motivation or, uh, or uh, just trying to rah-rah them temporarily. I was more interested in crop cooking their awareness because I wanted the greatest acknowledgement I ever got out of an audience wasn't clap, clap or a standing ovation. It's for them to go out and do shit. Yeah. Excuse my vulgarity, but just to do shit. If, right. if that was my intention. But I also learned, and I got this from Fran. He had a great, great, great uh, quote that I have lived by ever since he shared it. And it's pretty cool. He said, your, 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 your goal in life is any time, Rob, you interact, any reason for any amount of time, long or short, your job is to make them better off because you were in their life. And that's a very macro statement and has a lot of interpretive possibility. But if that drives you, it's not about you. You don't care. I mean, so I never, you know, I don't care. I mean, I would, Desiree said, oh, what are you going to talk to me about? And I said, whatever his audience needs it doesn't matter and right. if you have that kind of a i mean and i'm a little bit blessed because i've worked in a thousand industries in very complex and diverse scenarios so i have a, a knowledge base frankly to draw from that i can actually i can't talk about 
operations because I don't understand that. I'm ADD, so I have a couple of, of, of flaws there, but I can talk about, about anything you want to talk about empirically, reality-based, because I've been involved in it. And I can have great empathic respect for whatever the topic is and how it afflicts, affects, benefits, impacts an audience. I don't know that everybody else can, but I think what I'm saying is a good, it's a good uh, target to shoot for. Yeah. Uh, listen, you, you basically just uh, given everybody an education on authenticity. And to me, when you sit in that chair and you say, bring it on, um, that's authentic. I know for me, I don't, I don't quite run them that way, but I always run exercises where I'm going to track a decision somebody's making and I'm going to relate it here. And we're going to have this conversation. And that's the most beautiful part for the audience and me, because clearly I didn't, I wasn't doing this on the plane while I was coming here. This is happening here. And now this is the real. And so I live for opportunities like that. You've just taken that on steroids and you've said, I'm going to sit in a chair. We're going to go beginning to end that way. Yeah. I've had a lot of time to think about a lot of issues and I'm older than most people were probably talking about. So I have a context of not just experiential, uh, but I also have a, have, have a, a sort of a sense of, of uh, sort of the, the meaning of life and, you know, and what rocks your boat. And, uh, you know, real joy is external. It's not really internal. When when you've achieved a modicum of success and you get the stuff you think is going to be the denominator that transforms everything, it doesn't. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it, this the sky doesn't open, the angels don't trumpet, the you know the you know it's the nirvana doesn't prevail. All your problems don't uh, disappear. So so when you realize that life is about the process, this discussion is as good as it gets, then it makes it much, and, and you have a chance to impact somebody or many somebodies, and they have a chance to impact many somebodies. And it presupposes this something that, I mean, this is a little tricky when I say this, and please have everybody think about this. If you, if you sell, market, produce, uh, deploy, uh, disseminate a product or service that makes a meaningful difference in somebody's life or, or, uh, or business, then you have a moral responsibility to figure out how to get as many people aware of it and using it. And if you don't, you should find something that does. Right, right. Well, and you've articulated that a couple of times that, um, and I think it's really moving, that really uh, for presenters like you and me, uh, I'm with you. I, I know I can, I've got clients that be able to ask for a motivational speaker. And sometimes when I'm not in a good mood, I'll give them a couple numbers. I, if I couldn't motivate, inspire and entertain, I wouldn't be in the business. I want to see what you're doing six months from now. I want to be the guy who sits back with a smile, cup of coffee in my hand and go, I had a piece of that. Yeah, uh, that's and great. that's what we live for. Uh, I think, I think that yeah. people who really care about what they do, but not just what they do, but who they do it for. Somebody said something, I mean, I'm very lucky. I've had lots of great mentors. And one of them said to me, Jay, you should always know sort of what do you stand for? Who do you stand for? Why do you stand for it? What does standing for it mean? How is it expressed? And how do you know it's validated back by whomever it's focused towards? It's, it's you know, but it's a driver of me because I yeah. always question, am I congruent with what I stand for? 
And right. if the answer is yes, then I'm happy. I mean, however things play out, right. if the answer is no, I'm unhappy, even if they play out well, because I've compromised the integrity of who I am. And I, I mean, I think you always have to be in integrity and you have to know what it is. If you don't know, right. you know, there's yeah. a great quote from Shakespeare. I can't remember, Rob, if it's Polonius or if it's Macbeth or whoever it was, Romeo and Juliet, but it's to thine own self be true. But you can't be true to yourself if you don't know who you are, what you are, why you are. And 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 I don't think most people do. Right. I agree with you. All right. I've got one last question for you. I'll let you go. Uh, okay. You, uh, when I was looking over your, your website and learning about you and looking at some of the names, they're impressive. Um, and, uh, you, you know, I'm not, I'm done fawning. Don't worry. But I, I have a lot of people listening that suffer from imposter syndrome. So I, I really think I'd love to hear your view on this. When you're talking to a Tony Robbins, and, and maybe not today, but let's go back into the Wayback Machine. When you were first meeting some of these people and you were elevating through your career, how did you get past the feeling of, who am I to be talking to uh, Brian Tracy? Um, I just know a lot of people that I work with, they suffer it, from, from that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I'm just speaking for myself. I never, it wasn't about me or they, it was about, I had, if I had, knowledge that they didn't my goal always was to contribute that and i would I mean even tony when i first met tony I'll, i just was trying to help him with his business and when i first met brian i was just trying to help him with his business and damon john first time he called me i had no idea who he was he was they were doing shark tank it was the first year it was not doing well they thought it was going to be canceled <clears throat> and he called me about a totally different question that somebody told him I might be able to help answer. And I looked at him as just somebody in need of, of uh, clarity, guidance, and, and understanding. And it turned out to be a really nice relationship, you know, 12, 13 years later. But, but uh, yeah, I've never, I mean, I, I mean, I like, you know, I, I, I get a kick out of quality, successful people. I get, uh, appalled by arrogant, <clears throat> condescending, disrespectful, and uh, and and sort of people that uh, believe that they are so much superior. I, I, I've been taught that every human being has value, relevancy, significance, and deserves to be acknowledged as such. You know, there's obviously there's there's shits in the world, rapscallions you know, you know, it's people who take advantage, but the vast majority of people at all spectrum deserve to be acknowledged and need to be, and if you can acknowledge people sincerely, and one of the greatest things you can do is smile authentically or listen or show them you heard what they said. And most people, and this is very, very true of salespeople, and I think it's a very big potential flaw. They don't know how to listen. They're so busy trying to cue up their rhetoric when when there's a break to come back and 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 commandeer uh, dominance in the conversation that they don't really hear the conversation, nor do they acknowledge to the other person they have heard them. And I think <clears throat> learning how to be in the moment and really be part of the discussion and listen and hear 
and process what's really going on and project what's happening in the mind and the life of that person behind just that superficial moment is pretty powerful. Uh, it's a pretty powerful gift if you can if you can cultivate it. Yeah. Well, you hit on it. You know, the biggest problem that salespeople have is, of course, they don't listen and ask questions. And when they do, and we teach them how to do it, they're obsessed on the next question they're going to ask. So it becomes almost a catch 22 a little bit. But um, we're working on a funny story. I'll let you go. I uh, I put together a program once where I was going to teach improv skills to salespeople. And I thought this would be really good. Get them to think on their feet. That's what they're yeah, yeah, needing. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't, sell, couldn't sell a seat. Change the name to an exercise in mental agility, trademark the, the word mental agility. Boom. They, they were coming out of the rafters. So a, a great lesson in marketing on that one. It's, well, it's a true story. And you might know this, uh, you know, the fabulously successful book, Think and Grow Rich, first came out with a title called How to Use Your Noodle to Make a Boodle when it didn't sell anything. <laughs> they changed right. the name and all of a sudden Think and Grow Rich is you know whatever 500 million copies sold yeah. over 100 years or something yeah that's incredible it is Whew. uh all right how do people get a hold of you uh if they you know if they're interested i'm very accessible probably the easiest way i mean we have a website we give all kinds of things away it's abraham.com but you know if they're significant and they want to talk about something they just go to my assistant. Its surname is Desiree, D-E-S-I-R-E-E -E, at abraham.com. And, you know, and, and just so I preempt, we do a lot of work with people, but we're not inexpensive. So I don't want, I don't want people to have sticker shock. That's why we give lots of stuff away and, you know, uh, without any, any stipulation or catches, because I'm a pretty big uh, contributor and benefactor to you know, to entrepreneurs, you know, significant companies that have some resources we love to work with. But if you don't, it doesn't mean we don't have empathy and respect and and uh, a desire to contribute. We give lots of great stuff away gratis. Got it. Well, I want to tell you, um, I learned a lot today. And one of the themes that you hit on, and I'm just going to play it back to tell you I was listening, is that you wove this together a couple of times. So it's clearly ingrained in you that when you're on stage, you're focused on that audience. Um, when you're with an individual, you're focused on that individual. And uh, just to take that focus off yourself, which, by the way, uh, for speakers, you want to feel less anxious? Stop focusing on yourself and focus on the audience like Jay's telling you to do. Uh, but the fact that that's where you put your focus clearly tells us why. Uh, you are who you are and jay i am so grateful you had an opportunity we had an opportunity to meet very nice and i hope i hope uh in parting that <clears throat> that it it had some impact i mean one of the things that i think is very important for people is to slow down and think about things deeper because everyone's in such a hurry that they i mean when i have interaction I'll think about the questions you ask. I'll think about the answers I responded to. I'll think about the audience you represent. And I'll think and question, did I add value to this? Did I, could I have done better? What could I have done better? What did you share to me that I never thought about that I want to appropriate? What did I try to share with you that I think maybe was one of the better articulations? But we don't think about anything. We go from one thing to another thing to another thing. And right. if you ask anybody what happened today, most of them couldn't even answer you. Yeah, you're right. But you also said something, you're an unconscious competent. I just want to make people conscious. 
the way you just explained that was very balanced. Instinctively, most people say, what did I do today? Oh, I didn't do this. I didn't finish that question. Oh, what did I, what couple things I do differently and a couple things I did pretty well. I want to make sure I keep doing those things. Uh, we got to be kinder to ourselves. Keep that all in balance. And that's what you do very naturally because you just articulated it. I just wanted to make sure people grabbed that and understood that was a fair and balanced feedback that Jay goes through. And uh, I, I think that contributes to your success. I really do. In any case, I, I really appreciate you being on the show and, and thank you so much. I'm grateful. Thank you to everybody. And you're a very interesting man. Thank you very much for the, for the opportunity. You bet. Well, we'll do it again as well as we can next time, everyone. Until then. Stay safe. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, Outcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more information on this show and Rob at Jollis.com.